today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you're being crushed under the weight of guilt and condemnation, particularly in this area, you do so only because of the amount of time it takes you to get to the cross where that was paid for. And there is therefore now no guilt, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God is a forgiving God. God loves you. And that sin, that sexual sin has been paid for on the cross in full. Your sins have been paid for on the cross in full by Jesus Christ. As you listen to today's message from Pastor J.D., he shares with you the amazing truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You don't have to carry around the weight and guilt of sin. Jesus has cleansed you by his sacrifice on the cross. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, chapter 8, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This last chapter of this book, perfect way to end this book. It's replete with poetic and even prophetic pictures of our safety and security in Christ. What a week, yeah? If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, my, my wife uh, asked me on Wednesday, are, are you watching it? I said, no, I'm not watching it. I'm not going to watch it. I, I can't watch it. She said, why not? That bad? I said, no, actually, that good. What do you mean? Oh, I'm secure in Christ. Yeah, but what was it, like a hundred plus executive orders? What? Last time I checked, God's still on the throne. Oh, see, yeah, seated on the throne, right? Yeah. He's not pacing back and forth. How many orders were signed? You'll forgive me. What are you going to say? No, we're not going to forgive you. (laughs) Hear me out. A few months ago, I mentioned that we do err greatly to put our hope in a man, in an election, in a party, in the results of an election. You know, I can stand here before you tonight, and God knows my heart, And I can honestly say for the first time in my life, I'm unmoved. I'm not shaken in the least. You know, there's an expression, I hope I don't botch it. It's a gift. I have the gift of botching expressions and sayings. It goes something like this, I don't have a dog in this hunt. Here's another metaphor, I don't have a horse in this race. Does that make sense? Why? Because <laughs> this isn't my home. I, I don't plan on being here very much longer. And I'm not going to dig my roots down too deep in the temporal soil of this earth. I'm not going to invest and put stock in that which is 
so faulty, unstable, and dare I say, insecure. So for the first time in my life, unmoved. I had a great week in Jesus' name. I had a great week. Now there were some times, I have to confess, where the enemy's right there going, you should unmute and listen to what he's saying. And I'm like, and it was like a magnet to steel. It's kind of like, yeah, maybe I better hear what he's saying. And oh, the flesh was like, what? what's he saying? And the Holy Spirit is in that still, small voice going, no, don't do it. You know, I sleep much better now. And I'm actually much happier now. I have peace and security, if I can use those two words. <laughs> Thank you for laughing after I said those two words in a sanctified way. But that's really what this chapter is about. As we're going to see, it's our, our security. I am secure in Christ, solid on the rock. Nothing can move me. I think about the Apostle Paul recorded in the book of Acts. Nothing moves me. Nothing shakes me. Nothing phases me. You want to know why? Because the things of this world are rubbish in comparison to Him. My mind on Him, my eyes fixed on Him, my heart after Him. It doesn't matter. Could you imagine? I, you'll forgive the the silliness of the illustration. I've illustrated it this way before. I hope you don't tire of me illustrating it this way again tonight. But could you imagine? Picture this with me. God is in heaven. And on Wednesday, He's like, what just happened? What, what's going on here? Gabriel, Michael, get over here. What are we going to do about this? What's plan B? I know again it's a silly illustration and example, but I think you get the point, right? Let me uh, take it one step further, and we will get to the study tonight. <laughs> think this through with me. Could it be that God has allowed everything that's happened, particularly here in America, God has allowed it, if for no other reason, than to get His people to just let go. Yeah. But just, you know what, like that hymn of old, you can have this world, <laughs> just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Could it be that this is God's way of having that much needed effect on His people who have held on too tightly to this world and the things of this world? Could it be that it's almost as if God is saying, do you want to go home now? See, because three, four months ago, not, not so much. No, because it ain't over yet. Well, okay, I'll check back with you. <laughs> How about now? Yes, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> Am I right? The security we have is in Christ. 
And this chapter, as again we're going to see, is about the security and the sealed love that is ours, that we have in and because of Jesus, period. Now, as we go through this, I'm going to have to ask you to bear with me. I'm going to try and do my best to draw out from this last chapter both the typology as well as the practicality. By that I mean there's, there's so much here in terms of the, the picture that it paints of our relationship with Jesus, our security in Christ, but so too along with that and what comes packaged with that is just the practical application to our lives, specifically as it relates to the marriage relationship. There are so many takeaways, if you will, from this chapter, and I'll try to do my best to balance both and not uh, in any way be discombobulated and have it flow seamlessly. So again, I appreciate your patience with me. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Verse 1, Oh, that you were like my brother who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I should find you outside, I would kiss you. I would not be despised. What? <laughs> what? Okay. You have to understand the cultural dynamic here. In fact, to this day, modern day, in the Middle East, it is forbidden to show affection publicly between husband and wife, but not brother and sister. That's what she's saying. Oh, my affection for you is such that I wish you were my brother so I could show the affection publicly. That's what she's saying. And, and not be despised for doing it, because in the Middle East today, if you show affection publicly, you're actually, well, it's, well, actually, true story, 1997. This is BC, not before Christ, before children. My wife and I went to Egypt and Jordan and stayed with family that I have there in both countries. And so we're in Jordan, and my cousin is going to take us to Petra. Couldn't wait. We are planning the whole day, and you know, a couple hour drive from where we were. And so we decided to swing by this shop and, and get some shawarmas and falafel sandwiches. Oh, I'm getting hungry, just saying it. You know what those are? Oh, it's delicious. You haven't lived till you've had a shawarma or a falafel sandwich. So my cousin runs into the, the place and, you know, we're standing there out front. We get out of the car and we're standing there and I just, you know, gave my wife a hug and a, a kiss. A kiss a little bit more than a kiss, and it was a, you know, a prolonged embrace, and okay, a prolonged kiss. And before I knew it, my cousin comes running out of the store. Yalla, yalla, basura, basura, yalla, yalla. Well, I'm going, what? He's get in the car, get in the car. We have to go now. So we get in the car, and then once we're in the car, and we 
drive off, speed off more like, he says to them, you cannot do this. I said, what did we do? You cannot show affection in public. Shame on you, it brings shame. It is forbidden. Cannot. Now, if I would have said, hey, it's my sister. <laughs> no, it's not your sister. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> and not only is that not your sister, that's your wife. And not only is that your wife, she is an American wife. This is bad, very bad. It's a cultural dynamic. And that's what she's saying here. I, I wish you were my husband, so I could show you this public affection. Verse 2, I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to instruct me. I would cause you to drink of spiced wine, of the juice of my pomegranate. Eh, a little steamy, okay, but let's talk about it just real quick. I think this speaks to their intense intimacy, and it has to do with, again, another cultural dynamic to this day in the Middle East. Notice she says, I would cause you to drink of spiced wine. They drink from the same cup. You know, every time we partake together of the communion table, as is our privilege to celebrate, that when we take that cup, of course we have the package, it's sanitary, and of course nowadays it needs to be, but you know, in that day and today, modern day in that culture, uh, you drink from the same, the same cup, and you eat from the same bread, because the thought is, we're one. It's a common union. That bread that is in you is the same bread that is in me. It unites us. I'll never forget as a kid growing up, um, I couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old, and I'm watching my dad and my uncles, and <laughs> so much for the appetite with the shawarma and the falafel after I share this one. So they had this big mound of rice, and they would take their hands, and they would jam it into that mound of rice, and they would take it out, and they would eat. It is a custom in my country. They were eating from the same rice with their hands. And then it even gets better, or worse, depending on how you want to look at it. They're sitting down at the table, right? They got the pita bread, and the hummus, and the baba ghanoush, and all the dips, and the you know, we would call them poo-poos that are there, and they, uh, you know, the olive oil and the hyssop, and, and they would dip it in. And uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting so hungry right now, I'm going to stop right there. I think you get the point, right? Tell me you do. So here's what they do. In that culture, they take the bread, they break it, and they give it to everyone else, and they all dip the same bread in the same dip. And get this, they double dip. Yeah. What's the problem? We're one. That's what she's saying. We are one. No longer two. We're one flesh. We drink from the same cup. We eat from the same bread. Because what's in you is in me. 
It doesn't matter. We're one. And that's what she's saying. Verse 3. Yeah, verse 3. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Here's a beautiful picture, really. We see her securely embraced, feeling completely safe in his arms. I think about the metaphor, the the pictures we have throughout Scripture, safe under the shadow of his wings, safe in the palm of his hands. That's the idea here. She is so secure. Verse 4, now this won't be the first time we've read this and heard this. She says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, Do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now, again, we've seen this throughout the book. It's, I think, the third or fourth time that she mentions this, and we've talked about the meaning of this, just a, a warning, an exhortation, a caution to not, to wait, to not engage in sex, before the time comes, before marriage. And there's a why. Well, there's more than one why. And in the context of this chapter, I think the why is a very important life lesson having to do with insecurity, and I'll explain. When there's sexual immorality before marriage, whether it's with that person or another, and that aspect of the relationship has been stirred up and awakened and engaged in, what happens is it it starts to, I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, fester and foster this insecurity. Because if they are doing this now, what's to say they won't do this after we get married? Right? You with me? It's a, it's an insecurity that comes with sexual immorality. And this is really why it is. It's like, again, I, I hope you don't tire me saying it, God invented sex and Satan perverted sex. God made sex so beautiful, so wonderful, so amazing, so enjoyable. But here's the thing, God wants to spare us of needless pain and suffering. He wants to spare us of the consequences that come needlessly when we disobey Him. It's like God saying, Don't do this, because if you do this, you have to understand that it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause problems in your relationship. It's it's going to create an unhealthy dynamic in your marriage relationship because you, you did this. You're bringing that into the marriage. And so it's already been marred. It's already been spoiled and ruined, and now it's not as beautiful and special as God intended it to be. This is why 
as one so aptly referred to it, the Ten Commandments should be seen as the tender commandments from a loving, tender, heavenly Father who says, don't do this because I just can't stand to see you suffer the consequences of doing this. Let's just take one of the commandments as an example. Don't covet, thou shalt not covet. God says, it's not like, thou shalt not covet because I'm God and I said so. No, it's more like this. Don't covet because it will eat your lunch. It will destroy you. It will eat you from the inside out and defile you. And I I love you so much, I'm trying to spare you of that. Don't covet because of that. Now, I think I'd be grossly remiss before we move on to verse 5, were I not to say that we've come to a place in our day, in these last days, and I've referenced this as well, where the beauty of intimacy has been so perverted that we blush. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's so hard to see this in, in in its innocence and its purity, because of the day in which we live. But I want to assure you that sexual sin is not the unforgivable sin. God is a forgiving God. God is a restoring God. God loves you. God forgives you. Jesus shed His blood and paid in full for all that sin. So never let the enemy build an infrastructure of guilt in your life because of sexual sin. If you allow him to, it'll keep you from the cross, the one place where forgiveness awaits instantly, by the way. And Satan knows it, and that's why he doesn't want you to get to the cross. If you're being crushed under the weight of guilt and condemnation, particularly in this area, you do so only because of the amount of time it takes you to get to the cross where that was paid for. And there is therefore now no guilt, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God is a forgiving God. God loves you. And that sin, that sexual sin has been paid for on the cross in full. Verse 5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I awakened you under the apple tree. There your mother brought you forth. There she who bore you brought you forth. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as we learn from Song of Songs together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that love is a gift. It's meant to be passionate, and it's meant to help us grow more in love with the Lord. We encourage you to read through Song of Songs to see the parallels in the relationship depicted and the love that God has for you. Though it may feel uncomfortable at first, love is not something to be embarrassed by. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible, and maybe you even attend a church. But 
Have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're ever in the Kaneohe area, we would love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.